When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I take what's happening today and try to connect it with what we're reading in Scripture together, and that is the daily office. And In the Easter season, we read the story of the Exodus, God's deliverance for his people in Egypt in enslavement there, and we're thankful for those stories that come down to us today. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the Red Sea. This song that comes down to us from the story of the Exodus is especially appropriate for Easter the parallel between the events in the book of Exodus, God's deliverance of the people of Israel from enslavement in Egypt, and the events of the last week and of Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his crucifixion are all parallel events in salvation history. Many people have looked at what the genre of the Bible is, um, genre and literature is a really big deal in when it comes to the publishing market of today. Um, you know, is your book uh, YA? Is it uh, for adult readers? Is it uh, for kids? Is it nonfiction, fiction? Is it a play? Is it a screenplay? Is it a memoir? Is it a how-to, a self-help book? I'm just going through the sections of uh, literature in the Books, last bookstore I went to. Um, and many scholars and thinkers and readers have thought about what genre the Bible is. There's def- definitely um, poetry in the Bible. There's songs in the Bible, and specifically the Old Testament. Uh, there's prophecy books that are kind of like poetry, but they're also kind of like their own thing with a little bit of history scattered in there. And then we come to the historical books, of the Bible. Um, that include Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, even though these books include all sorts of other things as well, law codes and things like that. But the stories that we see in the, especially in Genesis and Exodus and 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Job, Judges, or Judges rather, um, where they tell the events of people's lives, sometimes with songs thrown in there, musical interludes, but the main point being the events that happened to them. Many people have wondered why these stories are told in the way that they're told. And the overriding consensus for Christians has always been that this is sacred history. It's a little bit different than history. Historians in the modern era and today try their best to um, try their best to tell you exactly what happened, exactly what happened to uh, Alfred the Great when he, when he sailed out of England, um, or what happened at the Texas Revolution. And you don't really want to know um, what didn't happen. You want to know what happened. Did Davy Crockett die at the Alamo, or was he killed the next day? These are questions that historians enjoy and do really well sorting out. But the history of the Bible is sacred history. It is written to make one point. And that is how God saves God's people over and over again. This is the overriding theme 
of all the history of the Bible. And the Exodus story is no different. It is a story of salvation. It is a story how people have, who have given up hope found hope in God. And that is the story of Easter as well. The story told in the Gospels of Jesus' death and resurrection. That is a story meant to make you holy. Holy not in the sense of perfect, without any problems or anything like that, but holy in the sense of complete, in union with God and with your fellow people. Um, this is what the Bible's history is meant to tell us. And so this song is, is meant to capture a moment of the sacred history. The song that Moses sings and then Miriam takes up the chorus is powerful. It's a lot about death in it. A lot about God killing the Egyptians in the, in the waters of the, the Red Sea. Um, this is a song of triumph, a song of um, military power, but the, not the kind of military power of overwhelming empires. It is the military power of... It is the military power of, uh, of God's intervention, miraculous intervention. And so the sacred history and the song is real down to earth. It's real practical. People's lives were in danger and they were saved. Uh, this, um, we think of those who, who save lives. That's what God is in the business of doing. In this particular case, in order to save God's people, the chariots of Pharaoh had to be drowned in the Red Sea. Um, the hand-picked officers of Pharaoh were drowned in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. It's hard to know what God is doing when it comes to violence in the Bible. We make apologies for God's violence in the Bible, um, especially as modern people um, who have a little bit more distance from war than maybe any other time period in history. Um, we can look at these texts and say, what is God doing and why is God so violent in these stories? Why is there a celebration of violence um, in this case? And we are looking at it often from the perspective of Pharaoh. Um, if we were in this story as Americans, we would be on the chariot side more, more than likely. And uh, the other enemy would be on the other side. And yet, from the Israelite perspective, who have been delivered, this, this is a saving act of God. This is one of God's saving acts. Could God have done it a different way? I don't know. But this is the way it happened. This is the way God saved his people. And it does bring up questions about God's interaction with violence. We are the ones who apologize for this, um, not God. Sometimes being faced with the mystery of God is a worthwhile contemplative uh, pursuit. When we sing these psalms and chant them and say them, to actually contemplate the mystery of God, that God is mysterious, that God is inscrutable on some level for human beings, that this program that God is working with the Israelite people certainly has left uh, the Egyptian army um, at the bottom of the sea, but that doesn't mean God is not working in other places as well. That God is not working even through the Egyptian people. Time and time again, the people of God go to Egypt for help. 
Even Jesus, in his infancy narrative, his parents whisk him away at night secretly to Egypt to hide him there. Egypt is a place of refuge. If you go to um, Seminary of the Southwest Chapel, you'll see an icon that was uh, given from Egypt, um, from the Christians in Egypt to the chapel. And the point there is that out of Egypt I have called my son, is the prophecy in the Old Testament. And that is where Jesus was called, from Egypt. So we can see that even in this very brutal act of God's saving grace for these traumatized people as they run for their lives, um, that is inflicted upon the Egyptian soldiers and on Pharaoh, Um, There is a longer-term plan and trajectory of God's grace and love, even in this. But God's ways are inscrutable. But when you're with your back to the mountains and your face to the sea and the chariots of Pharaoh are bearing down on you, this this is what salvation looks like for you and for me. This is what God does. Um, And for people that have been through this kind of trauma, there is that saving work of God that can be celebrated in these songs. And we today look at our Red Seas, those problems that seem like there's no way through them. There is no way through those waters. The water is too deep. Pharaoh's armies are behind us. There's mountains on every side. In psychology, they often call this the double bind, the damned if you do and damned if you don't. Either way you turn is a bad choice. Anything you do will result in suffering or pain or some other um, really big, almost seemingly insurmountable problem. And this is the situation that the Israelites were in. And this is the situation that all humanity was in, in the stories that are told in the Gospels. Jesus comes for our exodus event, our deliverance from enslavement to sin and death and hell. His victory over the grave at Easter is a victory over death. Um, And that is the ultimate army of Pharaoh that we will all face, that we all must face, we all must think about. Jesus conquers death. Whatever happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. He conquered death as the first fruits, that first taste of the conquering. And now we, as we follow him, experience that too. So whatever you're facing today, whether it's... um, death itself and the mystery of that, or other fears that are creeping in from the corners and from the front and from from behind. Know that the same God that delivered the people of God through the Red Sea is there to deliver you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the fire, I will be with you, God says. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal Mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.